This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Talk money to me. Hello and welcome to Talk Money To Me, your need-to-know financial podcast. Happy New Year to our listeners. We hope you had a fantastic festive season. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Candice Burke. And I'm Felicity Thomas. Now, we hope you didn't miss us too much because we're back in the hot seat. And with the markets hot at the moment, we actually thought for our first episode to kick off 2024 that we'll actually be reviewing the year, how each asset class returned, and also discussing what investors could expect for 2024. That's right. So there is so much to cover in our first episode, Back in the Hot Seat. We wanted to share with you, our listeners, potential strategies and investments within certain asset classes to keep an eye out for this year. Now, before we head into this week's episode, a quick reminder, as always, please note that this podcast and the content discussed does not constitute as financial advice, nor as a financial product. The content on this podcast is general in nature, and as always, go out and seek your own professional advice before you make your investment decisions. Exactly. And everything discussed is based on facts known at the time of recording, which is the 6th of February, 2024. So to kick off our conversation with the year in review for 2023, we want to do a quick rundown of each asset class and how it's returned, pulled from Vanguard actually, and the standouts that deserved an A plus for the 12 months of the year. So we had a Australian shares, which was 14.8%, international shares, 22.56%. Then you can look at international shares hedged, which was 18.3%. We want to look at US shares specifically, that's 23.5%. Aussie bonds, actually 1.2%. So that was a nice little recovery there. And cash 2.9%. If you want to look at property, Australian listed property returned 8.1% and international listed property was actually negative 1.5%. So clearly US equities get the A plus return of 23.5% for the year. And our Australian market also did really well, double digits 14.8% for the year. Yeah, not bad overall, but clearly that's an A plus, 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 right for the US tech stocks in particular. As the number says, Felicity, the US equities, that's a clear winner, right? And if you break it down, if you happen to own any of the Magnificent Seven, well, well done to you firstly, because according to the Bloomberg Magnificent Seven Total Return Index, that soared 107% in 2023 calendar year versus the overall market in in a kind of S&P 500 index, as we heard, was 24%. So just insane returns there. Absolutely. I think what's important to point out is the Magnificent Seven really pulled all US and international share returns there. 100%. To be completely honest. In fact, 100% it did. 107, (laughs) in fact. All right. So then if we break down the ASX market, there are a few stocks within the top 200 worth mentioning that also, I'm going to say, deserve an A plus for 2023. So we had neuropharmaceuticals gaining 214%. 
perhaps is the year of farm and medtech. You know, let's see. That's it, biotech. But Here we go. Bring it on. Emerald Resources, really strong, 155%. James Hardy, which is one of our top picks and sits within our model portfolio, soared 117%. Boss Energy, a uranium player we've mentioned a few times on the show, that gained 89% for the year. And finally, Borrell, a building company, a nice 2023 gain of 86%. Yeah, there were some really great gains there. And if we look at the smaller end of the ASX within the small caps index, a few of the top performers worth mentioning, which you might have actually already heard of or already own, you've got Megaport, which gained 54%. Evolution Mining gained 33%. That's actually in our model portfolio as well. Data3 gained 25%. Sandfire Resources climbed 13% for the year. And Nick Scarly gained 11%. Yeah, so good, good results all around and there's so many different stocks everywhere and all different indexes so I'm sure there's other big standouts to mention but we just don't have the time do we no. <laughs> <laughs> we've only got 30 minutes of your time but we love to hear from our listeners so how did your portfolio perform in 2023 send us an email which is displayed in the show notes below you know a quick shout out also for the month of Feb I'm going to call it free Feb we're offering our amazing listeners the opportunity to have a complimentary portfolio review and health check of your investments. So again, head to our our show notes to see our email. We'd love to hear from you. So Felicity, let's now turn our attention to 2024 and the outlook and what investors can potentially expect. This is all we want to know, right? How to make money in this year. Exactly. The past is the past. What do we do now? 100%. So let's just start off by saying, let's state the obvious, right? Australian equities, they did start the year pretty strong with January recording positive returns for most sectors of the market. Um, The further ascent we saw through the cyclical stocks, that's showing that the extent and the the, the fear of the unknown and the macro fears are really dissipating over recent months. Yeah, and I think you can also see the fears having dissipated in the returns. So the MSCI Developed Markets Index rose 1.8%, while the S&P 500 also rose 1.7% in local currency terms. The ASX 200 underperformed the developed market well performance with a rise of just 1.2% in January. I mean, I think that's still great, so I'll take it. Um, Among the ASX 100, you've got Illumina, 28.7%, 28.7%, ResMed, 14.8%. So all of those fears and worries were just that, fears and worries. It wasn't actually something to be concerned about. And in our model, we actually doubled down on ResMed around $21. So we're quite happy. You've got Whitehaven Coal, 13.3%, uh, one of the best performers. Then the worst performers. I don't want to state the obvious, but we have an oversupply of lithium at the moment with the majors actually cutting their production and supply to help this problem. So one of the worst performers was actually Liontown Resources, which was down 37.6%. No one was eating pizza uh, in January, so everyone started their diet for the year, down 32.7%. Mamma mia! Uh, We've got another lithium stock that's been hit hard, Acadium Lithium, down 30.6%. However, we've got some good news. Uranium, 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 which we've been barking on about all last year, and it's really playing out now. So Boss Energy up 38.2%, Deep Yellow 33.3%, and Megaport 38.2%. 
not uranium, but one of the best movers. The worst performers were Calyx, down 50.9%. Appen, ouch, that used to be an ASX darling, down 48.4%. And Siona Mining, down 43.6% here. So essentially go long uranium, right? That's what January's taught us so far. And I guess if you're investing for the first time for 2024 or you have a portfolio already, this next segment will be really helpful as we're going to explore what's on offer potentially in 2024. So in terms of the outlook, and this is what we think you should keep an eye out for, in a nutshell, 2024 is likely to see positive returns helped by, we hope, falling interest rates, but they're likely to be more constrained and volatile given risks around the timing of when the cuts will happen. The RBA is meeting today, so we'll know by the time this episode drops on Friday. And obviously, you've got recession risks and geopolitical uncertainties. So the level of recession in Australia, as we record this, sits around 35%. So it's still not not there, right? We can also expect the RBA cash rate to fall at some point, as I mentioned at this year. So that is anticipating and the hope, I guess, for the markets to to stay uplifted. So this Santa rally is really continuing into Q1 of 2024. I think we're going to see the comeback felicity of the 60-40 portfolio. That was really thrown out of the bathwater in the last few years by a lot of asset managers and investment advisors globally. Um, And obviously everything that was growth, AI investments, AI, 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 that was the narrative that led in 2023. But I think it could be a little bit different moving forward. Well, I think the thing is here, Candice, right, is 60-40 – 40 defensive has a large majority in bonds and the bond market significantly unperformed and wasn't defensive when it was supposed to be defensive. Um, But I absolutely agree. I reckon it's going to be have a comeback, the 60-40 portfolio for sure. Let's see. Time will tell, right? And also, I guess what's really important for our listeners, because a lot of you are dialing in from Australia, the Australian residential property market remains a 50-50 toyn cost on either falling or rising thanks to the waiting game of interest rates. And I guess the big macro events that we're watching on behalf of our clients and all of our investors is inflation, interest rates, recession risks, the China risk, US politics, and the Aussie consumer, if they can still stay up as elevated as they have. Yeah, that's it. Well, I think if they start cutting rates, the Aussie consumer will come back roaring. Now, turning our attention to 2024 forecasted and likely expected returns for each asset class, I'm going to run through these quite quickly. So global shares in Australian dollars, about 5%. Global shares in local currency, about 7%. Asian shares in local currency, about 9%. Emerging market shares in local currency, about 9%. That's really exciting, very interesting for us. Australian shares, another nine. There's a lot of nines going on. It's a nine. Nine plus. Global bonds hedged into Aussie dollars, four and a half percent. Australian bonds, another four and a half percent. Then you've got global real estate investment trusts, nine percent. Australian real estate investment trusts, another nine percent. So it's lucky nine here. (laughs) Uh, Unlisted infrastructure estimate is around seven percent. And Australian residential property estimate is actually negative one percent. But who really knows, right? That's it. And cash, 4.2%. Now, these are the predictions thanks to sources such as Bloomberg, Morningstar, and CoreLogic. So take them as market consensus views. Definitely. And obviously, as data points come in, they will change 
almost on a daily basis. So definitely look at credible sources and research opinions when looking at forecasts. But for me, you know, you kind of touched on it, Felicity, a few standouts that stood out is definitely emerging markets. That's an interesting asset class to look at in 2024. And it would seem, at least for the beginning of the consensus forecast, Aussie equities should outperform global equities in 2024. And you can't deny real assets and the strength around real assets. So real estate and infrastructure players, I think, could be a good one to add to 2024 portfolios. So looking ahead, let's look at the risks. A few big worries potentially that loom over from the hangover list of 2023, they remain long. So bear with us. Obviously, stating the obvious, inflation, is it still too high? Is it still too sticky in most major countries? So central banks will have, you know, potentially another hawkish turn if it proves sticky above targets. Two, the risk of recession is high, reflecting the lagged impact of rate hikes. So it's hard to see the biggest rate hiking cycle since the 1980s not have a major impact. And the risks have already been evident in tighter US lending standards, falling lending in Europe and stalling consumer spending in Australia. And unlike a year ago, many are no longer worried about a recession, which is negative from a contrarian perspective. Yeah. And then I guess the final, or not the final, but a big one that's really getting a lot of headlines at the moment is the Chinese economy and the property sector remaining high and very much a risk on a lot of investors' mind. Yeah, absolutely. We know a lot of people that have been in China recently and it's such a concern. They're coming back saying they're very worried about China. So that was very interesting from people that have been there. Number four. We've still got a lot of geopolitical risks. It's really high, with half the world's population seeing 2024 elections, including the US, EU, India, Russia and South Africa. Now, the US government could have a shutdown and could have another divisive Biden versus Trump presidential election with a Trump victory running the risk actually of weakening the US democracy and US alliances and other trade wars. There'll be more tensions with China. You know, the war in Ukraine is continuing and there is a high risk that the Israel-Hamas war could spread. An example is Iran threatening oil supplies. We know the US has uh, actually retaliated against the recent Iran attack. So a lot going on, which is why we actually think an investment in defence and have been investing in defence for our clients as well. Yeah, very much so. So with all this uncertainty hanging in the air, that's why we think that the 60-40 blend could have its year of comeback because the defensive proportion of the portfolio, like Felicity mentioned, you know, it can be your level of write it out of the market volatility when you have large swings on the upside and the downside. So you miss the upside there. But at the end of the day, you get a level of guarantee and certainty, whether it's fixed income, coupons, bonds, you know, unlisted property that's not hedged to the market, for example. So for us, hedging that risk for the potential recession and pullback is a smart move potentially with the level of uncertainty around 2024. Yeah, I mean, we're putting a lot of fixed rate bonds into our clients' portfolios and really reputable private credit managers um, are getting really outstanding returns for our clients. Now, don't go anywhere. After this short break, we're going to continue the deep dive into potential risks and positive catalysts investors can expect in the year ahead. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And we are back. So we've covered off the expected asset class returns and macro data points to keep an eye out for 2024, haven't we, Candice? Yes, We're going to turn our attention to something critical as we enter the Australian February reporting season being reasons to be cautious about the current market optimism because it's really optimistic at the moment. So we've got a few interesting points for you to kind of start having to think about here. Our first point is the recent equity rally has been almost entirely bond driven. The recent run up in stock prices has not been driven by either earnings upgrades or better macro data in Australia. Instead, it's actually been almost entirely driven by the strong rally in bond yields. Now, right now, the correlation between daily moves in the ASX 200 and daily moves in the local bond yield is at its strongest since pre-GFC times. Wow. That yeah. is really, when you think about it, that's um, that's pretty important. And I guess also looking through the cycle, prices are looking through it, but what about the earnings? So sectors such as the banks and retail have seen prices run up hard over recent months, even as both FY24 and FY23 earning estimates have remained relatively static. And I think number three here is some of the recent stock winners look most vulnerable on valuation. So a lot of positive sentiment towards James Hardy, JB Hi-Fi, CBA is all over the AFR, right? Uh, astronomical valuations here, Cochlear and Real Estate Group. They've seen their share price potentially move ahead of earnings. Um, So right now, these stocks uh, look rather stretched versus out-a-year earnings growth. Which is really the risk that a company becomes priced to perfection heading into earnings season, which we've seen in the US. And then if they slightly miss, they just get punished. So you you really need to watch your valuation. Valuation is important. I feel like even if they don't miss and they don't exceed expectations, they get sold off as well. Yeah, they, they get punished. It's like, sorry, we wanted 35% exactly. profit. Thank you. <laughs> so for us, like a big, I guess, risk, number four is the compensation for taking on equity risk has fallen. Over recent months, we've seen the ERP in Australia fall to a decade low. So finding marginal buyers of equities may be a challenge until a higher ERP is on offer. So definitely watch that one. Yeah, one to watch. Now, if you look at Aussie stocks, they do look expensive versus global. So a common pushback against Aussie stocks accused of being overvalued is actually that US stocks look even worse. However, if US sector weights are applied to Aussie stock valuations, the Australian equity market would still sit at a 20% PE premium to the S&P 500. I thought that was quite interesting coming into reporting season. And really another point that I think investors need to be aware of going into reporting season, particularly the Aussie reporting season, is the COVID distortions. Are they still lingering? The Australian economy is still experiencing retail sales sitting above trend for most sectors of retail. But in contrast, arrival of international tourists into Australia flooding our borders again, that still sits well below the pre-COVID trend. So where are the trend sales coming from? 
Yeah, good question. So another very interesting point, food for thought. What about this? I think this is really interesting. Aussie equities have typically bottomed after the RBA starts cutting on average. The Australian equity market hasn't bottomed until after the RBA has resumed its rate cutting cycle. Interestingly, the bank's consumer discretionary and rate sectors stagged rallies in the three to five month period after the last rate hike, only to subsequently give these gains back over the subsequent six to 12 months. I thought that was quite interesting. So leader rotation there is essentially the prediction. Let's see. And also, interestingly, foreigners have been sellers over the last year. So can they return? Global investors have stepped away, we've seen, from the Aussie market over the past 12 months. We have reason to believe that they may be coming back in 2024. So that's a quick wrap on the eight potential risks of why we're looking too optimistic in valuations at the moment. However, there's always a silver lining. So we do remain positive and constructive on certain areas of the global economy. And from a tactical point of view, you know, if you do have some gains in your portfolio, from 2023, let's say, well, we would say to you, don't be shy to maybe think about taking some profits heading into reporting season, because if your beloved company either misses or doesn't hit expectation, it could be punished. So you can get back in at a lower price. Exactly. And some serious gains in January. So depending on what levels of returns you're you know, trying to achieve in the portfolio, you could bank the profit or you could take your initial capital out. We often say to our clients, never regret taking a profit. And then unless you're receiving dividends, you're not really making or losing money until you sell. So you really are at the mercy of the market. Now we've gone through the risks surrounding the current market leading to the reporting season. We want to go through a few positive points and reasons to be optimistic in 2024. So we've broken it down to four reasons. Inflation. So obviously inflation's the big worry. What if it remains sticky and entrenched? But as we saw in the recent data as of last week, it's coming in on the surprising downside, at least here in Australia. So inflation has in fact eased sharply to around 3% in major industrial countries. And it was 4.1 was the headline in Australia. And it's likely if it does continue, we will see supply chain pressures reverse, demand is cooling, labor markets are easing and sharp falls in job vacancies. So this is good for the Australian economy. It's also good for hopefully US inflation. And, you know, CPR data, as I said, uh, the RBA was expecting 4.5% in Australia and it came in at 4.1%. So that's good. Very good. Now, we expect central banks in the US, Canada and Europe to start cutting rates in the April or June quarter. While down under in Australia, the decision will actually be later today as we record this episode. So falling inflation should really start the potential uh, rate cut chats. And our base case is that the RBA has peaked ahead of rate cuts starting mid-year, taking the cash rate down to 3.6% by the end of the year. I mean, here's hoping. I'm also pretty excited for the changes that they're going to put in place. Less meetings. (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting that they're going to have a press conference, very US style for the first time today. So let's see if the market reacts to, to the speech that she'll deliver. And I guess, look, who really knows when we cut rates, but I think it's kind of priced in. It's going to happen at some point this year. Now, the third positive point that we are holding on to for equities this year is that while recession and the risk around it does remain high, markets are no longer pricing in, you know, for 
a big doom and gloom. It seems like we have somehow potentially pulled off this mild recession, soft landing, miracle, crash pad, whatever you want to call it, because most countries have not seen a spending boom that needs to be unwound and traditionally makes recessions super deep. So, for example, in the US, there's been no over-reinvestment in housing and capex. Leverage is still pretty low and inventory levels are low. So, this is good. Yeah. And look, while there is a lot of geopolitical risks and constantly new risks and uncertainty around 40% of the world's GDP having a national election, it's actually important to remember that things may not turn out so badly. If you look at the US, the presidential election year normally sees average share returns. It's the next two years that are normally subpar. And since 1927, US shares have only had a negative returns in four election years. And we remember Trump was pretty good for the market. So if he does get in, it might be good for the overall markets. I guess only time will tell, right? So to wrap this 2024 outlook and our first episode on the podcast, the main things, I guess, from our perspective to keep an eye out in 2024 that we'll be keeping a close look on is sticky inflation, the risk of recession, whether it's mild or deep or none, the risk around the Chinese economy and their property sector there, U.S. shutdowns and and all of the fun around the presidential election that we'll see. And finally, the Aussie consumer and housing prices. That's really going to be important for where rates move and how quickly they move in Australia. Yeah, absolutely. We've done a lot of macro in this episode. So tune in next week for investable ideas and an update on our portfolio. A lot has even changed in the last month. Very much so. So you've got the tools now for the macro environment and expectations so that we can hear some really great investable ideas to potentially add to your portfolio. And as we mentioned, if you're looking for a portfolio review, revamp and a reshuffle for your fit 2024 portfolio, We'd love to hear from you. So reach out to us via email, which is cftgroup at shorenpartners.com.au. That goes directly to Felicity and my inbox. So we'd love to see what's in your portfolio and how you potentially can realign your goals moving forward. Absolutely. So definitely reach out to us. Even if you've got other questions about anything else we've discussed in the past, we're happy to chat um, and answer any questions. Now, before we sign off, please remember, although Candice and I are financial advisors at Shoren Partners, please note our discussion today does not constitute constitute as personal financial advice. As always, you should seek professional financial advice before making any financial or investment decisions. And please give us a five-star review and share the podcast with your family and friends. Until next time. See you then. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.